When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Pittsburgh Steelers enter their bye week and roughly the midpoint of their season, at 2-6, and six, and playing some of the worst football we've seen from this team since the 1960s ended. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. A bit of a downer to start there, because this season's been a bit of a downer. But before we can move on to looking at the second half of the season, before we can move on to saying, hey, What hopes do we have? We need to take account of where this team is. And that's what we're doing here today. We're taking account of who the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now. And honestly, it's not, the answer is not a very good answer. It's not an answer any of us like. But it is the truth. The Pittsburgh Steelers are just a bad football team. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been two and six, eight games into the season, six times now since 1970. Two times with each of the three coaches they've had since then. Let me go through these years real quick 1986, 1988, 2003, 2006, 2013, and 2022. Those are the six times the Steelers started a season. Two and six. In 1986, I think they ended six and ten, and they ended up drafting Rod Woodson that year. 
1988 season, the Steelers started two and six, ended five and eleven. Uh, they drafted guys like Tim Worley, Carnell Lake after that season. 2003, under Bill Cower, the Steelers went 2-6 and six to start. In the next draft, they picked up Ben Roethlisberger with that draft pick. 2006, again, only three years later, they went 2-6 and six to start a season. Again, that would be Bill Cower's last season as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a Super Bowl win hangover season uh it saw the it they ended that season going eight and eight uh mike tomlin took over they drafted lawrence timmons and lamar woodley in that 2007 draft 2013 the steelers started two and six ended eight and eight drafted ryan shazier and stefan to it and the 2014 draft so just starting off, letting you know there there are some things to look forward to. Maybe not playoffs, uh, potentially an eight and eight season. They've done it twice before, uh, 2006, 2013. The last two times the Steelers started two and six, they ended eight and eight. Still picked up good players, uh, but if they go even worse than that, you you could see them with a high enough draft pick to get a real impact player. Uh, that's a silver lining. But that's not for right now. We're not here to start turning discussions to draft picks. I just want to let you know that that's that's where the Steelers are. This is one of the six worst starts in franchise history since 1970. I'm going since 1970 because 1969 was Chuck Knoll's first season. It was terrible, and the Steelers became relevant the next year. That That was... The big turning point was after that season. So I'm lumping that in with the 1960s teams. And we're starting from the 70s when the Steelers became a relevant franchise in the NFL. Looking at this year, and looking specifically at the offense, the Steelers are really bad. I mean, I I don't think I need to tell you. None of you are going to be surprised or shocked by that. Uh, But some of these numbers are really disheartening. The Steelers rank last in the NFL at 4.7 yards per play. That's any play they run. Passing, rushing, sacks, everything. 4.7 yards per play. They are last in the NFL in passing touchdowns. Their four rushing touchdowns uh, keeps them out of last place in the NFL for rushing touchdowns by one. Last place in the NFL is currently a tie with three rushing touchdowns, and the Steelers have four. Most of those by their quarterbacks. They are tied with Denver and Houston for the fewest overall touchdowns in the NFL. This stat comes from Bradley Locker of BT Behind the Steel Curtain. Fewest touchdowns through eight games for the Steelers since 1941. 1941. 80? It's been 81 years since the Steelers have scored this few touchdowns through eight games. Uh, Other stats we've seen around Twitter going around, they're the first team since 1991 to go through eight games without scoring a touchdown from longer than 10 yards. The Steelers' longest scoring play is eight yards. If you look at the game they just played against the Eagles, the Eagles had, I think all of their touchdowns were scored from longer than 25 yards out. 
or at least outside of the red zone. It's pretty bad out there. But I want to tell you what we're seeing on the film is, is also really bad. And not just talent or coaching. Uh, there's some mindset problems on this team. We talked, it's a, it's a thing we talk about, the culture of the Steelers, the winning culture. And we talk about with the Cleveland Browns, the losing culture and how hard it is for them to overcome that. How you see the minute the Browns start to lose, the whole team deflates and they fall apart. And it's, Whereas good teams with a winning culture, when things are tough, they still hold on and still look like we're a team that can win this. We can still win this. You go back to when Ben Roethlisberger was playing, the team could be down 30 points at halftime and playing awful. You could have four interceptions and two of them for touchdowns, and you're just getting absolutely blown out. And the Steelers would walk out in that second half like they were ready to come back and win the game. They had that. Ben Roethlisberger was a big part of that, but that's also part of a winning culture. And what we're looking at right now, I think we're seeing that erode. The type of play we're seeing and the type of body language we're seeing is showing an offense that doesn't believe they can do things, doesn't believe they can have success. And a lot of their lack of success is starting to come from simply them not believing they're going to have success. And that's true. You have to have a positive mindset. You have to believe you can have success at what you're working at, or it becomes harder and harder to do that work. When you believe you're going to succeed at what you're doing, it's easier to put in the work. It's harder when you don't believe your work is going to end with success. We're seeing that with body language. We've seen poor body language from receivers uh, last year. We, we're seeing it a lot this year. This game, I saw a lot of bad, negative body language from Pat Fryermuth. And that's, I mean, you'll see a play or two where he's frustrated. You'll see him be frustrated. Frustrated, I'm not worried about. Frustrated is, oh, we should have had that, right? This body language is defeated body language. Like, it doesn't matter if I get open. It doesn't matter. If I stretch out and take a big hit to make a big catch, we're still not going to score points. You know, that kind of body language. It's still not going to do anything. It's not going to amount to anything. Saw that from Pat Fryermuth this week. Just passively after plays. And oftentimes we use body language to as a mark against the player, but it's against the culture too. When, when everyone else is doing fine and the team is winning and the team is having success and one player has really bad body language because they're not personally having success, that's a mark against the player. When the whole team is failing and you start to see this defeated body language, not frustration, but defeat, that's culture. And that can be tough to turn around because it's hard to get people to succeed when they no longer believe they will. That's a hard thing. You have to change that mentality. One of the, one of the things we're seeing uh, that, that explains some of this, I mean, first off, yards per play, youch, no big plays. 
no big plays at all really in this offense anymore. Uh, Kenny Pickett this last game looked worse than he has before. There were open receivers. There, there were open receivers that Kenny Pickett was looking at and just didn't throw the ball. That's a player who's second-guessing himself. That's a player who's seeing ghosts. That is a player, in my mind, who is regressing. He's not developing. This time playing right now isn't making him a better quarterback. It's making him worse. That's a problem. That's a problem. We talk about that with the Browns, how they would ruin quarterbacks. Right? Quarterbacks would go there, they'd be fine. And then when they'd play there, they would get worse. Can he pick it right now? Is regressing from where he was earlier this season. I'm not talking about from college. I'm talking about from earlier this season. He's looking worse than he did when he first came in. When he first started playing in the NFL. I, I want to question some coaching points. Uh... I think they may be stressing too much the taking care of the football. We saw that with Mitch Trubisky. He lost a lot of his a lot of his good plays were were taking some chances down, downfield. And he stopped doing that here. And it took away almost the entirety of his value. He came in for half a game, fresh, hadn't been the the guy, you know, running the stuff, and he just let it go. Just went out there and flung the ball, threw the ball around. Made some plays downfield. Steelers won a game. Kenny Pickett took a few more chances earlier this season. It looks more and more like he is just making the low-risk throws. Right, I got a guy open over the middle, but that safety, ooh, I have to fit it in between the safety there. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it to the sideline because that's a lower risk of an interception. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't. Uh, I've mentioned this on Twitter and in other shows. Deontay Johnson uh, has his stats are terrible right now. Um, I want to say right off the bat here, I'm not putting this all on Deontay Johnson. I'm not saying his contract was a mistake. I'm not saying Deontay Johnson's a terrible receiver. I'm not saying any of that. There's blame to go around here. Deontay Johnson. I'm also not absolving him of this. Right, the struggles he's having. He's a part of it. The quarterback's a part of it. The offensive play design is a part of it. The culture of the team right now is a part of it. The inability to run the ball. All of this stuff. All of it. It's all involved. It all comes together to create the situation we're seeing. Deontay Johnson in the month of October. That's the last five games. The month of October. Deontay Johnson is averaging 4.1 yards per target. 4.1 yards per target. That's terrible. And going back to 1992 when the NFL started tracking targets. Or at least when PFR allows you to search for targets. Pro Football Reference. uh, Using their numbers for targets here. Through eight games of a season. Through eight games of any season since 1992. Looking at the number of targets a player got while posting a yards per target for the season for those eight games under five, right? Deontay Johnson had a couple of better games. 
He's at 4.9 yards per target on the season right now at 76 targets through eight weeks. That is the third most targets any receiver has had since 1992. That's 30 years. He's the third most targets a team has thrown to a wide receiver averaging less than five yards per target. The other two, Chris Chambers of the Miami Dolphins in 2006 and Jarvis Landry of the 2017 Miami Dolphins. These were not good teams. 2006 Miami Dolphins, your quarterback is Joey Harrington. Yeah. Your coach is Nick Saban in his last year in the NFL before he will head back to college and never, ever come back to the NFL again. 2017 Miami Dolphins, the quarterback is 34-year-old Jay Cutler. 34-year-old Jay Cutler. Yeah. Head coach is Adam Gase. He would bounce around the league a little while. Uh, holding on to that, I was the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning once. Title that he had. And then uh, he'd be gone. That's the caliber of teams and offenses we're talking about. That's where the Steelers are. To where Deontay Johnson is worth 76 targets in eight games. That's nine and a half targets a game. Nine and a half targets a game for that little production a year ago. A year ago, uh, I was putting out things talking about Deontay Johnson and how he wasn't efficient enough. He wasn't producing enough for the amount of targets he got. He was a volume receiver. Sure, he got eight touchdowns and 1,161 yards and made the Pro Bowl, but he did that on 169 targets, which, by the way, he played 16 games, but over a 17-game season, that's just under 10 per game. He's not being targeted that much less than he was last season. And the numbers are so much worse. If he were to have a second half exactly identical to the first half of this season, he would end with 152 targets, 17 less than he did last season. He would end with 750-some yards. 750 yards and zero touchdowns. He hasn't scored yet. It's it's pretty bad out there for Deontay Johnson. His best season to date was in 2019. Mason Rudolph, Randy Feekner, Devlin Hodges. That was his best season. 2020-2021 weren't as good. Weren't as good uh, efficiency-wise. And this season is so much worse. Still the number one receiver on this team. Najee Harris, 3.5 yards per carry. 3.5 yards per touch. Rushing and targets and receiving, all that 
combined 3.5 yards when the Steelers get him the ball. That's not good. Deontay Johnson, 4.9 for the season, but 4.1 in the last five games. 4.1 yards per target in the month of October. That's awful. That's awful. That's bad if that was if he was a running back and he averaged 4.1 yards per carry, it would be bad. He also leads the Steelers uh with the number of passes thrown his way that turn into interceptions with a decent number. Not good stuff. Like it's just not good all around. Uh Deontay Johnson, to me, more than just saying, I'm not trying to say like something like he's the worst player, he's the reason the offense is failing. But when you look at your number one receiver and you see numbers like that, that tells you your offense is in shambles. That you've got nothing going. Because if the Steelers had something going at all, Deontay Johnson wouldn't be leading this team in targets with under five yards per target. He wouldn't be doing that. You'd throw the ball somewhere else. You'd run the ball. You would do something else. And this team doesn't have something better. That's the first half of our show. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the defense. And we're going to talk about what what positives can we take away, if any, from the first half of this season so far. Take a little break, and I'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Make sure you're checking out all the podcasts on the whole Behind the Steel Curtain flow. We've got two to three come out every day. Uh, lots, lots of different voices, lots of different thoughts, different angles. Uh, so you can get your Steelers fix all week long. Listen to all kinds of different people. One of the best shows on our network is uh, Jeff Hartman's Let's Ride. It goes every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's kind of the flagship 
daily podcast. Make sure you're checking that out. It's a it's a great show. It just keeps you up to date with kind of the flow of the week and, and what's going on in, in Steelers Nation. Good show to check out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, wherever you are listening to this, you, you can also listen to that. First half of the show, we talked about the offense. We talked about how bad the Steelers are right now. Now let's have a look at the defense. For most of this season, we've been able to say the offense is terrible and the defense isn't. You know, uh, I do the grade report each, after each game, and for the vast majority of games, the defense has gotten an A or a B, maybe a C, while the offense has been, you know, D's and F's mostly. This game was a little different. And I really think it goes, this game specifically went a long way to show where the Steelers have issues and the kind of issues, the level of these issues they have. The Steelers' defense started the game with a nine-drive, nine-play touchdown drive for the Eagles. Came back out after the Steelers tied it up. Gave up an 11-yard, 11-play touchdown drive to the Eagles. The touchdown drives after that were of, I think, believe, five, three, and two-play touchdown drives. Yeah. The Eagles had eight drives scored five touchdowns, and after their fifth touchdown drive in eight drives to start the game, they took their starters out and put in their backups for the final two drives, and they still converted first downs. The big, big difference early in the game, the biggest number one difference maker was A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is a legit number one receiver. The Steelers got back Akella Weatherspoon. Weatherspoon couldn't handle him. Couldn't handle A.J. Brown at all. With Witherspoon not being able to handle A.J. Brown, the Steelers put Terrell Edmonds on him. A.J. Brown is able to handle the athleticism and physicality of Terrell Edmonds. A.J. Brown is just as athletic and he's bigger and he's stronger than Terrell Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds can hang with a Tyreek Hill because he can run with him. And Tyreek Hill isn't as big, isn't as long, isn't as strong as Terrell Edmonds. Just doesn't have the size. So Terrell Edmonds is able to run with him and really block the field, block the, block the window. The window to hit Tyreek Hill becomes incredibly small when Terrell Edmonds is running step for step with him. Brown, it's a little different. It's a little different. It's not the same, and A.J. Brown is also really good at going up and winning contested balls to the point that his one touchdown catch that stood out to me, Terrell Edmonds is trailing him and leading him towards in trail technique, which means he's right behind him, right? He's right behind him there, so if you throw it, you have to throw it over Terrell Edmonds. And he's leading him towards Minka Fitzpatrick. 
So any any throw you're going to make to AJ Brown, you have to throw over Trell Evans. When you're lobbing it up, you're having it fly sail in the air for a certain amount of time. It's not going to be a rifle of a quick pass. It's going to be up there. It's going to hang in the air a bit, and you're throwing it in the direction of Minka Fitzpatrick. It's a bad move. You just don't do it. That's why the Steelers had Terrell Edmonds do that. Take him in trail, you know, lead the ball towards Minka. That's how you shut down A.J. Brown, right? A.J. Brown has Terrell Edmonds in trail technique, and he does a move where he slows down and looks like he's looking up for the ball. Terrell Edmonds slows down too. You can't just run into the guy. If he's looking for the ball and the ball comes, that's pass interference. You can't do it. You got to slow down too. So he slows down. A.J. Brown reaches off, gives the slightest, quickest push off, which he knows what he's doing. He knows how to get away with it. People commit those kind of, you know, by the book, by the letter of the law, fouls uh, all the time. It's just if they know how to get rid of, get away with it, uh, the matchups, how they've been playing each other so far. He, he knows how to set the stage to get away with that. Similar to how Joe Hayden held receivers every single route for a year. The entire time he was a Pittsburgh Steeler, he held every single receiver he faced on almost every route. And he got away with it because he knew how to get away with it. A.J. Brown does it, boop, creates a little distance, accelerates. Terrell Edmonds also accelerates, but between a little bit of contact and the slowing down, he's created room. Now the ball doesn't have to be quite as high. Jalen Hurts leads him into the end zone. Minka Fitzpatrick sees the ball, comes to make a play on it, and A.J. Brown just goes up over Minka Fitzpatrick and takes it from him. Minka Fitzpatrick got a hand on the ball, didn't matter, A.J. Brown took it. Scored a touchdown. He beat the Steelers' best man cover guy. And he beat the Steelers' best playmaker on the ball. To score a touchdown. He had three touchdowns. The first three touchdowns scored by the Eagles. A.J. Brown. It's... It stood out to me more than anything that the Steelers had no cornerbacks that could cover A.J. Brown. Even with help, they had to put Terrell Edmonds on him because Terrell Edmonds is their best man cover guy. If you're not looking for playing the ball and doing the ball skill stuff, if you're just looking at, here's a guy, run with this guy. Key stay as close to him as possible. Terrell Edmonds is your number one dude there. And they went with him, covering A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown was able to beat him, not with just speed and size, uh, but with technique. He's a better, A.J. Brown is a better receiver technically, uh, with the technical side of the game, with execution and skill, uh, than Terrell Edmonds is a man cornerback. A.J. Brown is a legit number one receiver. Terrell Edmonds is a strong safety. Right, he's a good man cover strong safety, but he's not. He's not going to Darrell Rivas. He's not going to Richard Sherman. Somebody, right? He's not that guy. If he was, he'd be a cornerback, but he's not. He's a safety. If he could do that, play cornerback, he'd be getting paid ten times what he's currently getting paid. AJ Brown, the Steelers did not have an answer for. Let's flip to the other side of the ball real quick. Steelers wide receivers versus the Philadelphia Eagles cornerbacks was the exact opposite. 
Darius Slay, James Bradbury. The Eagles have a couple of guys they brought in as free agents. They're getting a little older, but they're still in their in their prime years. They're not they're not declining yet. They are shutting receivers down, and the Steelers had nobody that gave them real problems. We talk about this receiver group as being very good, as having a lot of potential, having a lot of talent. But we had nobody that was a threat to the Philadelphia Eagles cornerbacks. When you look at the routes where receivers were open and they're getting missed, it's not they beat the cornerback. It isn't. They didn't beat the coverage and they're wide open. It's scheme, it's it's mental mistakes, it's it's you know, finding pockets in zone. That's how guys were getting open, not beating cornerbacks. And a lot of the open receivers were tight ends. It was a lot of Pat Fryermuth. Uh there was a play where Najee Harris was was wide open underneath, had a great lane to run. Stuff like that is being missed. It's not receivers beating cornerbacks. And there weren't plays where receivers were out there just beating cornerbacks. And it's easy to say, you know, just throw it to George Pickens. And I've even said George Pickens is one of those guys you have to throw to him even when he doesn't have separation, even when he looks covered. But you still, it, it you can't be targeted when you've been run out of your route. Right? When they've completely shut your route down. When they've got you in the wrong spot. When they when they're when they're dominating the route, you can't just throw it to them anyways. They don't have position. They, you still have to be in your route. To me, that that sums up a lot right there. The other mismatches were the Eagles' offensive line and defensive line. The Steelers' defensive line used to be a stalwart of this team back when you know Javon Hargrave was a Steeler when was our number three lineman. I've seen a lot of people say, man, Hargrave was was really good. Maybe the Steelers made the wrong choice. If you go back to when the Steelers chose Stefan Tuitt over Javon Hargrave, they made the right choice. They absolutely made the right choice. You look at their careers while both of them were playing, Steelers made the right choice. It just goes to show you how good that Steelers defensive line was when Tyson Alu-Alu was our number four defensive lineman. And... Javon Hargrave couldn't get a second contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers because this defensive line was that good then. Tyson Alualu isn't the same guy anymore. Significantly older and back from injury, he's not the same player. Cameron Hayward is still great, but he's really all they have. The spark this week, the best defensive lineman apart from Cameron Hayward was Carlos Davis. Carlos Davis is not your answer for your for your you know your guy next to Cameron Hayward. He's not the answer there. When depth guys show up and show out and have a good game, great. It's nice to have depth. But they're still just depth guys. They're still rotational guys. You come in and if they step up and play, you're like, sweet, that's awesome. We can give our starters a little bit, you know, a little bit more of a break. They don't have to be dominating the entire game. It's not a long-term solution. Carlos Davis is not Stefan it. The Eagles offensive line, outside of Carlos Davis and Cameron Hayward, they didn't really have problems with anyone. They really didn't. Uh, Alex Highsmith was doing well. 
but they were containing him. They were redirecting him. They were avoiding him. They're moving the pocket. They're letting the quarterback stepping up into the pocket. Like they had ways to get around him because it wasn't like the old days when you had Stefan Tuitt and Cameron Hayward and Javon Hargrave and Tyson Alualu just absolutely crushing a pocket and the quarterback couldn't step up and avoid the edge rusher. If the quarterback can step up, edge rush isn't as dangerous. Jalen Hurts was stepping up a lot. He was moving around. He was getting away from the the pressure that was getting to him. And the Eagles' offensive line did a great job. Did a really good job in the run game. They just didn't run much, didn't have to, when A.J. Brown is destroying our cornerbacks and Jalen Hurts has time to find him. On the other side, the Eagles' defensive line was was just devastating. They were destroying the Steelers' offensive line, especially when Jordan Davis was there. He was just too big and too strong for the Steelers to deal with. Steelers currently have zero, zero offensive linemen uh, that have made a Pro Bowl. Zero. In fact, the only... Offensive players the Steelers have who had made a Pro Bowl, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris. We talked in the first half of the show about how they're not doing anything this year. Mitch Trubisky, who's not the starter now. He made it one time. Chris Boswell, kicker, made it. Chris Boswell is still really good, but you've got to get him in range to actually kick a field goal. And it's still only three points. It's not touchdowns. Chris Boswell can't help you score touchdowns. On defense, T.J. Watt is not around. The only other players who have made a, a Pro Bowl on the Steelers' defense are Minka Fitzpatrick and Cameron Hayward. That's it. There's just not a lot of talent there. You go back to the 2008 defense, you had a lot of players there who had made a Pro Bowl or had been a Pro Bowl snub, you know, that kind of level player. Steelers just don't have those guys right now. But also, I don't think the Steelers are that far off. Right now, with this roster, T.J. Watt coming back. Your edge rusher spots, T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, are good. Uh, The guys behind them are solid depth. Like, you'd love to have a third really good edge rusher, but there's a lot of teams out there looking for two that don't have two good edge rushers. So having three really good edge rushers, not a thing. Not a thing. The Steelers had it when they drafted Alex Highsmith in the next year, but Dupree was gone. You can have that kind of overlap if you hit on a draft pick, but it's not going to last long. You're not going to pay all three of them. You're not going to... Uh, pay a guy to keep a talented guy on the bench. You're, you're gonna, you, you can't do that in a roster and a salary cap league, very long at all. Inside linebackers, Robert Splain is a is a solid number three inside linebacker. Miles Jack is a really good start. He's having a good season. The Steelers are able to keep him in the middle, doing his thing where he's at his best, and he's responded by making a lot of plays, making a lot of tackles. He still gets caught when blockers get to him, offensive linemen get to him. He's not the best. No linebacker is. But he's really good there. Devin Bush, his rebound did this season. 
he's a good number two linebacker. Is he going to be a pro bowler? Is he going to be an all pro? Is he going to live up to that top 10, you know, the highest draft pick outside of mean Joe green and Rod Woodson, the Steelers have ever made. No, he's not there. He's not living up to that. He probably never will, but he's become a solid starter. He makes some boneheaded mistakes, but he also makes some really good plays, and he's very good in coverage. So he's good. The Steelers don't need a new inside linebacker. They don't need a new outside linebacker. They don't need new safeties. They need to re-sign Terrell Edmonds, and their safety position is is set. At cornerback, I, I think if you add a number one cornerback to this roster, the other cornerbacks are fine. They all slide down a bit. None of them are being asked to cover A.J. Brown. And shut him down. That's that's a workable situation. You can have a great cornerback room. You can solve you can solve this cornerback room from being a problem to being good enough to maybe even an asset to the team with the addition of a number one corner. Defensive line. Cameron Hayward still's got it. Larry Ogunjobi is a very solid, very solid inside lineman interior linemen. They've got some depth behind that that's pretty good for depth. If you took this roster right now and you added a quality, you know, big, strong, force-in-the-middle kind of defensive lineman, like my previous draft crush, Christian Barmore. whole reason I want him to draft him is, is to, to have the defensive line I'm picturing right now, still just adding him, where you have Cameron Hayward still doing getting it done. You have a young, absolute stud of a talent out there learning and growing next to Cameron Hayward, learning the Steeler way, getting the leadership down, watching what he does, and learning to be like Cameron Hayward. If if the Steelers do not draft a really top end defensive lineman before Cameron Hayward is done, being you know the player he is. It'll be a it'll be a crime. It'll be awful. I honestly think if you take this team right now and you added a number one corner or even a number one capable. Not I'm not talking about a star corner. I'm talking about a guy who can handle being the number one cornerback. Joe Hayden before he got too old. Steven Nelson even did it a little bit for the Steelers. Guys on that level, not even not even super high end superstars. You had a legit first-round pick defensive lineman. And this defense, when T.J. Watt gets back, in my opinion, is phenomenal. That's a, that's a playoff run. That's a Super Bowl-caliber defense. It may be hard to do that with the things they need to add on offense because the offense has a ton of problems. You've got a lot of problems on offense. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we can look for in the second half. I'm sitting here looking at the situation we have and and you know, honestly, my best best bet is TJ Watt, first off, he's gonna return. He's gonna cover for a lot of problems and he's gonna set the offense up better. Maybe the culture changes a bit with TJ Watt there. Maybe they start to believe and they start to play better. Schedule gets easier. You know, maybe they win some of the in-conference games. Who knows? This is 
a team in a tough spot. Again, I, I I've said it consistently. I think this is a winning team with with TJ Watt. I think they're five and three if TJ Watt is healthy this whole season so far. I think they're five and three. Kind of how in the 2020 season the Steelers were eleven and zero, and we were sitting there saying this isn't a good team. How are they eleven and zero? And people were saying, oh, they're the worst undefeated team. They just kept finding ways to win games. I think we could be that team with this offense if TJ Watt was here. I could see the Steelers going to the second half of the season and going six and two, six and three, six and three, seven and two, and pulling off, you know, an eight and nine or a nine and eight season. If TJ Watt is healthy the second half of the season and, and the team starts to believe they can win, you could see real improvement just from that, just from the culture improving. But I don't, I don't honestly know if it's worth it to me. At this point, I'm I've got a wavering on the side of the people who want the Steelers to just tank this season. I know they don't, they won't do it. It's not in the Steelers style. But if TJ Watt was like, man, I'm just going to sit out and make sure I'm I'm really healthy for you know 2023, I'd be happy. I'd be like, go for it, dude. Come come back full strength. Go in the offseason, train it up, you know, get yourself, do the types of training that you can do when you're healthy for a long time and, and, and can help prevent future injuries. Get yourself in that kind of shape. Because I don't see this team turning around very quickly. I don't. And the losing, the the frustration is is hurting the team culture. And more than that, it's hurting the development of the young quarterback they bought in. It's hurting Kenny Pickett. I honestly believe this man is regressing. He's becoming a worse quarterback than he was almost weekly. We'll see. Maybe the, maybe the bye week will make a difference there. Rookies often play better after the bye week. Maybe we see George Pickens more involved. Maybe we see Kenny Pickett playing better. Who knows? Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully the Steelers can find a way to not tank this season and also become a better team in the future. We'll see. That's my show for today. Thank you for listening. First half of the season is behind us. Uh, looking forward to the bye week. I love those kind of review and, and looking forward kind of shows. Uh, work up some special stuff on film for that week. So look forward to that. I'll, uh, I'll see you next week. When we aren't following a Steelers game. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. And as always, let's go Steelers. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.